Go bump in the night, chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright, thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Thank you for listening to Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast that reviews your favorite horror movies, series, books, and comics, as well as interviewing indie creators about their upcoming projects. Before we start this episode, I want to go ahead and thank everyone I met out at Halfway to Halloween. Uh, this last Saturday here at the Wonderland of Americas in San Antonio, Texas. I was able to talk uh, to several people, and I hopefully I can get that uh, turned into an episode uh, for the podcast pretty pretty soon here. Let me go ahead and introduce my guest for tonight. He's going ahead and joining us talking about a project that is going running right now on Kickstarter. Uh, D.W. Ken, how are you doing today? Good, man. How you get? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm proud to be here. It's uh, I was very happy that you uh, contacted me through Kickstarter. So um, always love getting the word out. Oh, I saw the I saw the cover, and I'm like, yeah, it's been a lot of these uh, projects in the last couple of I think the last couple of weeks already, where I just look at the pro- the project cover and I like I, I have to I have to uh, contact them. Um, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. It, it drew me in right away, and then of course the title, and we'll get we'll go over the title real quick here. But I just wanted to ask you to get to this point. Uh, did you like horror growing up? Did you not like it so much, but grew into it? What, what was what is your your backstory here? Um, well, I, well, as a kid, I'm I'm uh, pretty old school. So as a kid growing up, um, we didn't. It was before right before VHS and all that stuff. So my parents were very pretty strict about what I could see for R-rated movies. And it wasn't until like the advent of VHS and all that and Betamax and uh, eventually HBO that, you know, going over to my friend's house and catching all these, you know, all sorts of weird horror movies that I'd find. And, um, and, and, and to get me into this one in particular, uh, I was at a buddy's house probably like 1985, 86, around the time when Reanimator came, first came out and hit, you know, hit, hit cable. And, mm-hmm. um, I saw that movie at you know 13, 14 years old, and it just blew my mind. And uh, <laughs> I was like, "Man, this is an unrated movie about you know H.P. Lovecraft, who I had no idea who this guy was." And um, I, I grew up on Edgar Allan Poe and sci-fi and Planet of the Apes and all that stuff. So seeing something like this just was just completely uh, you know from another planet. So you know, that's where I got into uh, you know really getting into horror more more or less my. Uh, high school years and then into college and so on and so forth. And that got me into reading horror comics, horror books. Um, I, my whole goal, uh, yeah, actually even by, I think probably when I was around eighth grade or so, I really wanted to get into uh, makeup effects, which eventually mm-hmm. I did do um, once I gradu- graduated um, high school, went into uh, doing makeup effects uh, at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, which I think is actually no longer around, but um and then moved out to California where I worked in film for a lot of years. And so that's kind of where I, you know, grew my chops into doing that aspect of it and really like, you know, just absolutely love movies, love working in movies, love making movies and, uh, had been writing screenplays, um, for a number of years as well. And, uh, my partner, uh, at the time and I had written, uh, Lovecraft PI, which is, um, what we're talking about tonight. And back in 2010, we had tried shopping it around and nobody seemed interested in it. So I, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, well, you know, everybody seems to be buying up comic books. Why don't we just turn it into a comic book? And so the volume one, A Shot in the Dark, which we did a Kickstarter for about uh, four years ago now, um, that was our first kind of, you know, foray into 
uh, writing comic books as well as, you know, adapting something from a screenplay into a comic book. And what do you think as, as far as jumping from, let's say, screenwriting or, or you know, the film industry going into comic book? What What's the what kind of I guess what big hurdle do you have there or what kind of t test did you have to go through for that? Well, I had um, I had directed a couple of, uh, you know, little indie movies beforehand and had um, in short films and such back in the 90s and early 2000s. So I had done, a, I was very familiar with storyboarding and had done a bunch myself. And, you know, but when you go from one extreme to another with comics, I find you really have to strip away everything, you know, when you get into a comic book because it's, what well, we found in the first book, you know, we shot in the dark. We were definitely fighting with the dialogue and, you know, against the artwork. And so that, that book is very condensed, you know, in a lot of way, you know, in a lot of ways with just, 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 just a lot of writing. And we, so we, it was just, it took, it took us a, quite a few years to kind of dial it back and kind of mm -hmm. figure out, you know, a nice um, balance between the two, because uh, obviously when you, when you write a screenplay, you can either give as much information or as little information, but ultimately, you know, it goes through, a, you know, tons of changes and so on and so forth. I'm not saying that doesn't happen with a comic book, but especially independent comic books, you know, you're working with a couple of guys and you're trying to get this thing to work. And um, thankfully the, the, the people I have on staff, uh, Daniel, my illustrator is, man, it, the way he's able to just decipher my information and, and just get it to the page is just amazing because sometimes he, he, you know, he writes me and he's just like, man, you've got, you've got so much stuff going on here. I can't fit all this into a panel. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I just, it's, it's kind of that whole screenplay writing aspect of it. It's like, I see it as a movie. Mm -hmm. So to try to translate it into panels is very difficult, but, um, I still am I'm able to make it work. It just takes a lot of finessing and a lot of kind of going through because the other, the other thing too, is that, uh, we, you know, it's kind of crazy, especially with this new book, uh, with the Curious Case Reanimator. I went from writing a comic screenplay to adapting it to a, you know, into a comic, and now I'm going back into writing it as a screenplay. So that's bizarre too, because now I'm I'm getting the the other effect, which I had to pare everything down so much that now I get to kind of explore um, some of that stuff that I had to pare down, which is great because now you know what screen time, you know how much time, mm -hmm. you know it takes to. To, to say something on screen or action and all that stuff. So you can kind of pace stuff out a little bit better that way. Whereas a comic book, you're really just, it's almost the cliff notes, you know, um, and the artwork. And then the last thing you want to do, obviously, is battle against the artwork. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that we were really, are really trying to accomplish in this book is just to have a nice balance with everything and let, um, you know, the art breathe and then the, and the writing breathe. Um, and what I find with Daniel is, is that once, you know, I'll send him stuff. He'll he'll uh, sketch it, ink it. Uh, Damien, my colorist, will go ahead and do his work. And then Joel, once uh, I get it to my letter on Joe, I, I rewrite the. I basically rewrite the script again and edit it down once I see kind of the finished colored artwork. Because in that, it's almost like looking at the. It's almost like looking at a film in the editing room. Because I, I edit. I used to edit films, and I still do um, to a degree. So it's just it's like sitting in the editing room and just having us at you know in front of you. And when I edit trailers, I don't necessarily, I do it either one of two ways. I either have music attached as a bed or I don't have anything and I just do it as visual. So for seeing a comic book in that same way, it's kind of cool because then you, 
it's almost rediscovering it all over again because the artwork's new. It's nothing that you ever expected. And then when you actually see it there and then actually applying your words to it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's awesome. That's where it really just kind of, I feel comes into play a hundred percent. You know, one of the very first interviews that we had for this, uh, for this show was a pair of creators, uh, raw X and Daryl Smith, who mm -hmm. um, actually were doing a comic book called twilight hotel. Oh, okay. Who, and the, the way that they came up with the, 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 the comic book is that they were trying to make it into a film first. And they decided that pretty much in the same, how you said, you need, well, let's turn it into a comic book and then sell it that way. Right. And that was pretty much the, the road, uh, the road that they went through. And I kind of, kind of tied it back into, to Lovecraft here. Raw X, he, he actually came from visual effects and he told us that he worked on, on the reanimator movie, uh -huh. uh, working out with the, with the, pro with the, the effects and all that. So, um, kind of just kind of all ties in together <laughs> first film like one of the first films you say you saw that really brought you into this and i was i remember watching that movie and and just being i didn't even know what what, what hp lovecraft was and right just the last couple uh, like the last year and a half I've, I've just learned so so much of the lovecraft mythos and it's it's interesting to see how many different takes people mm -hmm. can take into into the the lovecraft lore and and you know into the the elder god and, and all that and um i i'll say this right now right off the bat here i enjoyed this the the preview they sent us it's uh only what 24 out of uh what is that 100 pages i believe yeah it's 26 out of uh we're, we're probably wrapping up around 100 and 100 between 100 and 105 pages thereabouts that is a good length for anything especially on kickstarter and if you know I only got 20, I got what, a quarter of it, less, less than a yeah, quarter of it. Less. And it yeah. was, <laughs> I was, I was glued to it. Thanks. So I, I can't, I can't wait to, to finish reading the, the last uh, three quarters of that, of that uh, story. Well, well, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, because with Shot in the Dark, it, originally we had divided it into three issues because that's, you know, um, just financially, since mm -hmm. it's all being, you know, funded by myself, it's one of those things that we we're just trying to do first is to do it as like a three issue series. And um, I mean, all, you know, all three issues encompass one case file is what we call Lovecraft's um, adventures. And but the, the funny thing is, is that once we, it, it took so long to do each issue. And each issue was, you know, about 30 pages, more or less. So mm -hmm. that, you know, when I decided to do this one, I was like, you know, let's just make it one graphic novel. It'll take a year to do it. And we'll just make it one complete story. So we're not having to divide it up because it's, you know, it, it, I was trying to also save a little bit of money between the, you know, the, the added cover costs and printing costs for putting out issues and so on and so forth. So, um, and then just story-wise, it's just nice to have one piece that you're just like, you know, you're seeing it all the way across for, you know, from a, you know, a to Z, as opposed to sitting there breaking, chopping it up going, okay, how do we end it here? Does it work here? Can we make it work here? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's, that's what I liked about the difference between the two real quick. Um, when you mentioned about reanimator, um, I wonder if you worked with, I, I worked with Tony Dublin, who, uh, was one of the key effects guys, uh, on reanimator. And I worked with him for a number of years when I was in LA, we did, um, cause we worked at the Kyoto brothers shop, and those guys did the killer clowns from outer space. And we, I think you did mention them that too. I think yeah, that, that movie. Well, yeah, because all those guys kind of worked together at the time. And I worked with Tony. Uh, I started working with him probably around ninety, around ninety five or so. And I remember we we got talking about Reanimator because um, you know obviously being avid fans, and I 
and, and it was one of those things I completely forgot that he had even worked on it. So him and I started talking and, you know, some of the stories he told me about that, that movie were great. So it was just kind of nice to <laughs> like see that thing like 10 years earlier than just working with the guy, the effects guy that did the, some of the effects, the majority of effects on that movie is just pretty awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I was watching it. Not, was it like not even two weeks ago? It's, it's on shutter now. Uh, so oh, you can it? actually, you can actually um, stream it on, on, uh, well, you, you got to pay for it, but right. You know, but, I, the the graphic the practical effects is something that's so lost today in in oh, yes. horror. Definitely. Uh, and not that I don't like CGI, it's just that you know practical for me practical effects are always going to be the number one thing to go to. But it I guess money wise, I guess CGI is getting a lot cheaper than practical effects or the time wise. I'm not sure what it is that that's causing more CGI. Well, I think it's I think it's a combination of things at this point. I, I think part of it too is that now we're getting. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe I think we're part of it is we're still we're now getting a new breed of filmmakers that are they're not um, not used to seeing not used to working with necessarily practical effects like you mm -hmm. know back in the day and um, you know I, I mean know. Me, yeah definitely I mean for me what my the reason why I got into makeup effects was because of uh, George Romero and uh, Tom Savini oh and, yeah. Uh, and that's why I went to school in Pittsburgh. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to the zombie capital of America. I'm going to go anywhere for school, you know? So, um, and it was great because I, I worked in a bunch of movies down there and, you know, everything was, I mean, this is the nineties. So everything was very practical effects and, and CG and all that stuff was barely even scratching the surface. I mean, you know, Jurassic Park was the first thing to come out in the mid nineties. So up until then, and even after, you know, practical effects were key. And um, I ended up, I was working, uh, I was a prop, uh, prop assistant on mortal Kombat. oh really? and, yeah which was in 95 we were on that movie for almost a year and um <laughs> you know I, I i i love amalgamated studios but man when they did goro um you know he, he was a lot of fun oh, to work for but man when he broke down we were down for weeks <laughs> <laughs> weeks i mean that poor bastard couldn't work half the time and so we, we actually ended up finishing shooting the movie before we've, we've completed the entire movie before we completed all shooting his scenes um, because he had kept breaking down so much. So that's the thing that I think, you know, CG helps itself in is that, you know, with a big character like him, who was all animatronic except for, um, oh, geez, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Um, just escaped me. Uh, who played the, the, who played the, um, the makeup effects guy inside him, uh, the stunt guy, stunt guy inside him. Other than that, you know, if, if that breaks down, you're down for a day, two days, a week, two weeks, you know, whereas CG, it's like, ah, just throw some dots on the guy and we can make it work, you know, and uh, in post. And I just think that's kind of funny the way it, it has changed so dramatically in, you know, 25 years. I got to look that up real quick because I, I had just, just seen a, um, a review of, because I went back and, and watched um, Mortal Kombat not so long ago. Oh, yeah. And I, of course, I, I'm... I'm a real big nerd when it comes to stuff like that. I go back and I listen to, to reviews, and they were just talking about that. Uh, so now I have to go back real quick and. and oh, and Tom, and I think uh, it's Tom Woodruff actually that plays uh, Goro. That's that was in his suit the whole time. That means yeah, you know because. Well, because sometimes what would happen too is we'd be we'd be instead of the <laughs> we'd be in the throne room and. Um, you know, be shooting scenes in the throne room and all of a sudden, you know, cause his whole head was all radio controlled. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden <laughs> he'd be trying to do some lines and his head, his head would short out. So his jaw would just like, you know, uh, vibrate back and forth and then just stop like 
broken to the right. You know, so it was, it was the funniest thing. But then <laughs> they didn't know what the hell happened. So then we were down for an hour to try to figure out what was going on. So it was amazing how, uh, you know, how much, uh, you know, something like that could just, you know, slow down a production. So I can do why they go to CG. Go ahead. I'm and, sorry. Yeah. And the reason I did want to bring it up, because I, I did, um, when they were talking about that, they are talking about other movies he's come out in. And he's like one of the aliens and one i don't know if all the alien movies but at least alien um, three yeah he was an alien yeah. three right before and that, he yeah. worked on tells him the crypt he worked yep. on warlock um Pumpkinhead, the, yep. the tv show monster yep. so he, he's done a lot of a lot of horror yeah i think and, one of tom's first movies was because he was a he worked for stan winston back in the day and i think tom i think actually tom played Pumpkinhead in the 89 uh, lance hendrickson film well well <laughs> i'm not mistaken because i just yeah. saw that recently and i saw his name so I, I, just, I just remember here being him being attached to all these projects and and uh, I was like, man, this guy did the, a lot of the stuff that I used, I grew up with. Yeah, no, Tom. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. I mean, when they pulled him out of that suit because he was stuck in that thing for hours, man, twelve hours a day, and they pull him out. I mean, you thought the guy was dead, <laughs> just <laughs> covered in sweat, and then they're just pulling this giant, you know, two hundred pound suit off this off of him, and you're just like sitting there, you poor bastard. You know, part of the reason probably they have to pay a lot more for these guys to go in through those suits. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they have. I mean, obviously they have air. They they blow yeah. air in through there, but um, it's still. I mean, the suit weighs at least 200, 250 pounds for him, and uh, you know, on, on that level, because you got the cables and everything running out of them as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the cooling, cooling pipes and all that, right? Uh, oh yeah, definitely. I definitely. Mean, uh, tubes. Um, so let's let's get back. I think we, yeah, we sure. derailed a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it happens. But um, going back to 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 Lovecraft, uh, you, the design of the characters. Uh, to me, I don't know if, if this is was intentional. Lovecraft looks like Lovecraft. Right. Uh, so is this more like? like saying like this actually happened to him. And then he kind of like wrote down his stories kind of like um, Watson did with Sherlock Holmes kind of thing. Well, what the idea behind uh board Lovecraft, our character is the fact that he's kind of the doppelganger of HP to some degree. Okay. And um, you know, cause HP for everyone out there, I mean, he was agoraphobic. I mean, he was very, mm -hmm. he was a very healthy gentleman. Um, he was allergic to the cold. Um, and so, but he wrote about these great adventures and um, just fantasy places that he would come up with. And I think in, in some respect, I mean, he was obviously um, very good friends with two guns, two gun Bob. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and a lot of these other guys that would a lot more adventurous than he was. And so I think, you know, for us, it's just taking, you know, the character of Ward Lovecraft and throwing him into that kind of whole pulp background where uh, this character has gone to World War One, where, you know, HP's mom, you know, he went he went to the recruitment center and everything. And, you know, he thought he was getting in and his mom pulled him out of the, you know, out of the military. So he didn't even get to go, you know, as much as I think he, you know, he seemed to have wanted to. He didn't. So for our character, he goes. um and uh, he ends up getting recruited by the Miskatonic Supernatural Detective Agency, and then the you know and ends up working for them, you know, and becoming this this character. So th that's kind of the idea for us is that, and and with uh, HP himself, you know, it's just it's basically paying an homage to him. You know, I mean, we don't mm -hmm. have we didn't have anybody else in mind, um, you know, for that, and we feel that, you know, um, you know, he deserves it. You know, so that's why we, we we chose him. As far as the monsters go, and every person has their own take on 
the the monsters, the creatures that appear in, in the stories. Right. Uh, how did you decide what the design was going to be? Well, I do. I've um, for the last uh, year or so, I've been doing a, a pretty embedded um, research in with Lovecraft. Um, a lot of his letters I've been reading. A lot of his, obviously just rereading a lot of his stories. Um, doing a lot of um, research at the John Hay Library down in Providence of his personal stuff. And the thing I've always come through with is the fact that HP was always a person who was very giving. And he was also a person that wanted to see his work kind of blossom beyond himself. And with that being said, I, uh, in deciding on doing this book, I wasn't certain how I wanted to go, but I know I wanted to have reanimator in it because he's one of my favorite characters. And I also love Cthulhu and, and I feel that, you know, call Cthulhu is a very, it's a, it's a very, it's a very epic story. Um, I know it may not be as popular as some of his other ones, but I like a lot of the stuff that they have in it. So for me, diving into sections of that, which is what this book takes place during the uh, Legrasse, the Inspector John Legrasse stuff in uh, Louisiana, taking that, you know, what they go into with the Black Swamp there and talk about these giant bats, it's all very vague and about these worshippers and stuff, but there's something in there. There's a mystery in there that just like calling to me. And then when I was when I brought in the reanimator, I was like, wait a second, you know, we always see the movies and, and even in the Herbert West story, he's always just reanimating the undead. It's like, you know, even though they bring up HP brings up in the story itself that he's into reptilian, um, cell reconstruction and all that, which is what mm -hmm. he uses for his reagent. I figured, well, you know, if you got reanimator, you got Louisiana, you get swamp creatures and all sorts of stuff. It's like, why the hell not? You know, it's to me, it's you, you got a mad scientist in that setting. It, it goes back to like Spider-Man and the lizard, you know, and that type of mm -hmm. kind of uh, old comic book feel and, and Gothic, the American Gothic thing is what I really wanted to go for. So, um, you know, so for me, it, it's having Herbert, you know, it's 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 a perfect backyard for his lab. <laughs> you, know, you get these great things he can do, and he's a mad scientist, and he's he's able to create all these wild and wondrous things, you know. And uh, you know, and so for me, instead of you know, we so we have as you you know, we're seeing in the beginning, we have the worshippers, which are the undead, mm -hmm. but we also just expand beyond that, and that's kind of the way I wanted to go with it. I didn't want to stick with just what we've normally seen. I wanted to build upon, build upon that. And I did a lot of research with, um, the types of critters that live in the bayou and the, there's actually a black swamp in Louisiana. And so I was doing a lot of research within that, um, and try to keep it regional, uh, with some of the stuff I created. So, um, you know, which would make sense obviously for somebody who's been kind of hanging out in that area. So that's kind of, that's why, where all this stuff came up with. Now, is there plans for, further further books or further um i guess adventures of of hp of uh love crappy uh yeah so uh a shot in the dark which we wrote um as i mentioned earlier we, that takes place in 1937 innsmouth uh massachusetts this book takes place in 1932 so um the ideas with the idea with lovecraft is that because of we're creating him as a you know a, a detective case with case files is that it will always jump around with years and times and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but he'll always stay the same, you know, more or less. Um, I mean, his demeanor obviously will change, but in his, in, in his friends and characters will come in and out. 
Um, so for the next book, like I said, with Call of Cthulhu, which is what I'm kind of going on with it with, with this um, uh, this set of books uh, coming up. This story takes place with just the Legrasse part of the story. Um, the next book, which will be out probably next year, is called The Wilcox Experiment, and that will be that'll take place. Uh, with Call Cthulhu, where it's more Providence dealing with Wilcox, the artist, dealing with Angel, dealing with some other stuff that I have um, building right now. And then the last part, um, which takes place in the South Pacific in REA, that's going to be our third book, um, which will be 20,000 Fathoms to REA. So, it, so it'll like, wrap up in one, it'll be like one big arc of a story eventually. But, um, you so know. like a two is kind of like the Thanos of, of the series? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's our Godzilla, <laughs> except a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, way a lot bigger. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm going. I mean, I and I'll do eventually uh, once we get this arc done. I, I want to do just one shot. So some some books may not be 100 pages; they may just be, you know, 26 or 30, whatever the case file might be. But it won't be as as elaborate. So th they'll vary in stories and stuff like that. Uh, let's talk about the the campaign. You sure. have as of the. As of today, we have a little bit more, um, well, about a week, two weeks left um, on, in the campaign. Yep. And can you tell us about the rewards that people can get uh, or they can go ahead and pitch into uh, or what they can expect to, to get if they go ahead and back the project? Yeah, sure. So right now we're we're very close to wrapping up the book itself. And one of my things I had learned off our previous Kickstarter is that we had even though we had been funded, it still took us like a few years to get it all wrapped up. And that's the thing I did not want to have happen this time. So my goal with this Kickstarter campaign is to, you know, to have everything fairly readily available once the campaign ends. So we, we have an August deadline for sending everybody everything, which will be, should be more than enough. Um, and, you know, for us right now, we're a hundred actually, as of right now, we're 178% funded, which is great. So we're over 6,000. And you can get um, the first volume, whether it's digital, um, if you want to do it that way, or the physical copy of book one and two. Um, I've got shadow boxes, which were handmade um, uh, by Mike, uh, a friend of mine named Mike Mash, who I met at a show. And uh, yeah, he's just, he's amazing. These, these shadow boxes are awesome. Basically, he took our covers and he just he gave, gave them layers. And um, they're, they're beautiful little art pieces. Um, I also have um, one of our top tier pieces, which is about 200. You get some art prints from Paul Shipper, and uh, he has signed uh, two of our books as well. And he's the um, artist who did our covers. And Paul also had done our, not us, but I'm sorry, he, <laughs> he had done the, the Star Wars Celebration poster last year um, down in... Um, uh, down in uh, where was it? Uh, San Diego, I think it was. <clears throat> so this is stellar. He did that poster for them. He does stuff for Marvel. I mean, he's he's one of the top tier uh, cover artists out there right now. Um, and we love this style because he, you know, he reminded us of Drew Strews and that old those old Indiana Jones and you know uh, old Star Wars posters from the eighties. So that's you know we were happy to come across him. And so, I got to say that every single one of these covers are beautiful. Yeah, they're gorgeous, man. I mean, Paul's just, he just knows how to do it. And, and uh, he's elevated us into a next level because we always want, we wanted to always go for that kind of very pulp quality. And, and when I came across his stuff a few years ago and I, you know, reached out to him I, and he said, yes, I was jumping for joy, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> to find somebody like him and his talent is, you know, and to get him to commit is just awesome, you know, and it's really been, it's really helped us out a lot. 
you have a you have a lot of uh, goodies that people can add on. You all need to go out. If you're listening to this, you need to go out and look at these. Definitely things that you can add on to just your your pledge to um, be able to get some of these things sent out to you. Yeah, I wanted to do that. Was the other thing I did differently too, since since I've learned with people on Kickstarter do the add-ons. I, I I feel that that's such a great way of you know because I already have a lot of rewards as it is, but to do every combination of reward to make everybody happy is just impossible. So I figured mm-hmm. if I you know if I did an add-on you know section, so once we send out the surveys, you know you could just add on anything you wanted, and we can go from there. And I think that's just that's a nice way of doing it without getting something you don't want, and then getting something that you do want or multiples of them. You know, yeah, I've seen I've seen those you talking about. Where you're like, you want this one thing, but you have to go get a bunch of other <laughs> things that you're not might you might not be right in just to get that one thing that you're that you're really that really caught your eye. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I have some combo packs in there um, for people that just want to just do the one stop shop, mm-hmm. and which I feel is cool. But then you know, just adding all the other little bits and pieces, I think, is kind of nice. You know, so give people an option. The physical copy of, I guess, the first the first um, issue here, Shot in the Dark, is that going to be uh, all like three different issues, or is that all combined into one one uh, collector collected? Yeah, uh, it's 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 one trade, so it's one hundred and five. Okay. Yeah, it's one hundred and five pages, and it has. And what I did was to divide each, um, you know, to divide each book. I put Paul's artwork in there for the covers, but I stripped all the graphics off them, so you just see his, you know nice beautiful covers without all us you know mucking it up with our words <laughs> you know so it's kind of like a chapter break yeah exactly i mean it's important to me it's like we already know what this is there's no reason to beat us you know beat a dead horse and to me it's just you know the art is so beautiful it's just you should be able to enjoy that on its own you know well i'm i like everything i'm seeing here do not miss out on this project because it is just look at the, go. Just look at the link that I'm going to be putting in the description. Look at it. He has. You have a video on there that is just gets you into into the story. Um, all the artwork gets you into the story. There's just a lot of things. You're you're, you're definitely going to want to back this up. Now, the good thing is that this is already funded, so you you don't have to worry about oh, is this going to make it or not. You know you're going to get your your stuff once oh, yeah. you, once once the the campaign is is done. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's the thing is we're already starting to um, send everything out to get manufactured. So mm-hmm. um, you know, because we want to keep ahead of all this. So we, you know, we're we're super psyched. We wanted to make sure it was an attainable goal, um, and we wanted to make sure and just build upon that to get everything out to uh, our fans. So that's what's exciting about it for us. There's, no, there's nothing worse than, than than being behind the eight ball on a Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and. Uh... Like I said, I've I've had a couple of of guests that who that, like they come on and it's their first foray into into a Kickstarter, yeah. And they they just tell me, man, Kickstarter is tough, uh, especially if you don't if you're not uh, knowing what you're getting into, right? Um, second time around, third time around, it's a lot easier for them, but uh, that very first one is just like a big old it's a shock. Um, that they, they just have coming <laughs> well and i think i mean this is my fifth one and i've had a lot of failures on them too but i think too with us you know um having a few years with the first book i do go to a lot of cons and i do do a lot of festivals um so you know seeing people and, and meeting people is huge too because i definitely have recurring um customers that show back up so that's important i think too is not just you know trying to peddling it online but also getting out there and and you know, eyeball to eyeball with people because they, they like that, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's, 
you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do, when you go to cons, you want to see the guys that created this stuff, you know, you know, so um, that's very important to me. So that definitely helps, you know, because it, especially when you're trying to pedal stuff online, it, it's so hard to understand if it's going to hit anywhere, especially at our level, um, you know, because it feels, I feel like it's just kind of an echo chamber um, until you actually see the results come in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to Texas for, for a con? No, I have not. I've, um, I do HP Lovecraft's, uh, film festival out in Portland, uh, every October, but I have not gotten to Texas yet, which I hear have a lot of great cons and I just, I need to, well, just, I just need to get there. Just, uh, two weeks ago was, uh, Texas, uh, Frightmare. Uh, oh, well, I, I actually right. haven't been to that one, but I've been planning to go. It's just, it always ends up falling on, on a, a day that just, I can't get I can't get away from from what's going something going on that weekend, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, it just it just so happens that that um, I have something important on that weekend, but I still plan to go out there, uh, take my my handy recorder and and get some some interviews with some some of these artists. Uh, and you know, uh, that that's what what they done for for the halfway to Halloween and um, just. I, I just like talking to people about horror stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I love going to horror shows and uh, I have actually, I haven't done a horror show now in a couple of years. And um, the last one I did, unfortunately they, they went away, but there was, it was a fun show. We had, and I met a lot of good, uh, good contacts and yeah, horror shows are the best. <laughs> just, <they're> so <laughs> much fun, you know? So, so is there anything else that you're working on uh, in the, you know, in the background or in the back burner or something that you're going to be working on in the future that you'd like to talk to about? Um, as of right now, we're just, um, we're pursuing trying to get the book done and wrapped up. Um, I am working on uh, um, some projects, you know, that have to do with this book outside of uh, it being just a comic. Um, and then we have a second series, which we're going to probably release a Kickstarter for it by before the end of the year. Uh, for a series that we started uh, called Berserkers, and that's a eight book um, uh, comic series, and we're up to book six right now. That's all completely finished. So we just got two more issues to do, and then I'll we'll start releasing that as a Kickstarter. Um, we're pretty we're really excited about that one as well. So. And what is that uh, that one about? Uh, that's about a, a group of people. It takes place in 1950 on a um, on an island called No Man's. Uh, no man's land, which is actually a, a island off the coast of where I live right now, and it's it's actually uninhabited in real life. But uh, what we do is we we kind of take it take it to the idea that what ha why is it in, uninhabited now? You know, so uh, there was actually it was a town at one point, and um, they get infected with a, a disease that makes them go berserk. Um, so people just start turning and changing and, you know, you know, have the bloodlust and, you know, you're talking 1950. So there's very limited, uh, resources as well as the fact that a hurricane also hits the Island. So, mm -hmm. um, the whole eight, uh, series of, uh, eight issues of book take place only in the course of a 24 hour period. Um, so you get to see, you know, um, the, the, our main core of characters and just the trials and tribulations of going through what's happening with this mass infection spreading throughout the island so rapidly and then bumping into other characters that they're trying to get, you know, sorted out. And they're trying to figure out what the hell to do, um, what caused it, what's, you know, how to cure it. And while well, everybody's basically turning rapidly. So, and like I said, it only takes place in over a 24 hour period. So it, it's, it's a pretty intense, um, pretty intense comic, uh, series. And, and, um, Dan, my uh, Daniel, who's drawing uh, Lovecraft for us right now, he had actually—that's where I had started him 
um, originally from. So we're hoping to get back to that <laughs> very soon <laughs> to wrap those last two issues up. Well, we'll love to have you guys, um, you or, or both of you, back to uh, talk about that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to get Daniel on. I mean, he's he def absolutely. And it'd be great to have him on board. So, is there anything that is uh, out right now that you're that you're really uh, interested in going out to see, or something that's that you've heard, and as far as horror, that you're excited about? Uh, felt you mean movie wise and stuff. Movie wise, series. There's a there's a bit a lot of horror stuff coming out right now. Yeah, um, Jesus, you know, I, I've been so immersed with this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm curious about Godzilla. Um, I, I mean, oh I, yeah, you know, I mean, I love seeing, I, I love seeing the. That's one. That's one franchise I like, just because of the fact that all the monsters keep changing. Everything, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mothra that I grew up with is not the Mothra I'm going to see you know, in a few weeks. <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be pixies in this one. <laughs> no, no, right. So it's just that that's what's kind of cool. It's it's just the way some of this stuff gets you know transposed that way. Um, but uh, no, nothing. I still uh, geek out with uh, with Godzilla when we, uh, my wife and I went to go watch it. The whole time I was waiting for him to do his atomic breath. Oh yeah, and then that very first you know glimpse when when his tail started to turn, yep. yep. Uh, I I my wife just like looked at me and she's she's like nodding like oh this this guy, because uh, she saw me getting really excited for it and like I knew <laughs> it was gonna happen and when it finally happened I'm like oh and I was there in the theater so I was like oh yeah everyone, everyone who were on me could hear me just getting so excited for that. Well, it's I mean it's goosebumps, man. I mean it's like because yeah. you know you know he's you know he's the boy. I mean he's the, <laughs> the guy that takes him out. So and, you know and, and growing up with especially when growing up with Godzilla too and the and seeing what he's capable of and how much he's gotten his ass kicked and everything else over the years mm -hmm. and how he comes back. It just but seeing him for the first time that you know on that level and and uh, you know and just the craftsmanship of the CG and the and the practicals that they do on that is just awesome. You know so. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. I can't think of anything else um, offhand. Did you get to see the the, the teaser trailer for uh, Chapter Two of It? No, I didn't. I have not seen that yet. I have not oh, seen that yet. It looks awesome. I don't know if you watched the first one, but I love the first one. Uh, once again, my wife's not not a big the biggest horror fan, but she loved um, Chapter One. I, well, I guess it's just called It, but um, she loved it. Um, didn't think she was gonna laugh as much as she did, and she's <laughs> trying to get other people who don't like horror to watch it because she, she's like, "Hey, you're gonna love it. Don't worry. I know you don't like horror, but you're gonna love it." So, and even she's she's uh, trying to spread the, uh, that movie out. Nice, nice. Well, I'm looking forward to <clears throat> excuse me. I'm looking forward to Stranger Things two, uh, three. I guess this season, oh, yeah. which yeah. is coming out July fourth. So that's I'm looking forward. Definitely looking forward to that. That's you know I. The second season I thought was, you know, slightly under par from the first, but still a lot of fun. And I just, I don't know, just living in that world is actually very interesting. I, I, I dig what those those guys are trying to do with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. If you have not seen um, this one, I would recommend is Summer of '84. It is uh, on. It's a it's a Shutter oh, exclusive. Yes, yes, yes. I, I have not seen that, but I do. Did I see that? No, I have not seen that one. Not. I, I loved it. <laughs> I saw it follows. Uh, I mean, that's not recent. Obviously, that's a couple mm -hmm. of years old at this point. That was a lot of fun. Which I, that that seems to follow in the same vein of that kind of retro, you know, retro eighties feel again. Of yeah, kind of. And it, the way they do it now, I feel like they they really are. They're really trying to capture that eighties feeling. Um, just the way 
Stranger, Stranger Things did. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. Um, am I forgetting anything? Am I did I just absolutely forget to ask you a question that you wanted to make sure we that we covered? No, I don't think so. I just um, the only thing I'm going to say is uh, yeah. So Kickstarter, we've got about uh, two more weeks left. Um, so just go to Kickstarter.com and type in Lovecraft PI, and um, otherwise you can you know, find us on LovecraftPI.com. And um, I don't know, um, my next show, I have a show at uh, Terrificon, which is in Connecticut, August 9th, 9th to the 11th. That's oh, Send me the information. I'll make sure to put it in the description for the, for the episode. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do. Definitely. Social media, is there anywhere people can find you on social media to follow you? Uh, yeah, it's Facebook. It's uh, Lovecraft uh, Paranormal Investigator. And on Instagram, it's Lovecraft underscore PI. Uh, Twitter, um, just, you know, Lovecraft PI or Dark Side Media. Um, you'll be able to find us. Once again, look, look in the description. If you, if you want to go ahead and just click on those, it'll take you to the to those pages. Thank you. Well, I want to go ahead and thank you very much for coming on here to, to uh, Nerd in the Crypt. It was our pleasure to uh, to have you and to talk to you. And um, maybe next time we can get a Greg on here as well. Uh, or David, uh, either and or. Uh, I know that they they really enjoyed the 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 project. Unfortunately, you know, um, issues come up here last minute, and, and they couldn't they couldn't join us. But it, I, I can tell you that the nerds love this this project. And once again, I just go out there and back you guys. You're not gonna you're not gonna regret what you what you put in for this uh, for these um, projects. Thanks. I appreciate that. And and we haven't shown a whole lot on Kickstarter just because I don't want to give too, too much away. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, it's always that's always the hardest part. And, and trust me, I want to show you guys everything, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. And uh, it's just I'm chomping at the bit because every time I get stuff from Daniel and Damien and those guys, it just it's like Christmas every day to me. <laughs> uh, it's like, I, you know, uh, I was telling somebody yesterday, it's, you know, you can have a really bad day. But once you get some awesome artwork coming across your table and everything's just kind of hitting. Not, nothing beats it. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this book and hoping you all will uh, enjoy it as much as I have. Well, that's, that's good to hear. And like I said, any other projects you come up with or, or, or decided to, to launch on Kickstarter, just let me know or any, any, any crowdfunding, just let me know. And uh, we'll be more than happy to have you back on the show. Excellent. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining us and everyone. Thank you for joining us on the, on the show. Thank you again. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.